0: Big Beat Manifesto goes, big beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy.
1: contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Plus, he thinks he might be gay. He's 80% certain. 80. Nice. No need to overdo it. So he's... Dealing with that, which I think is great, and I'm being very supportive over. I always thought you might be a bit gay, but more like 30%, if I'm honest.
0: My name's Sean, and I'm looking for a podcast partner who is into pro-wrestling peep show and has seen Elbow Live multiple times.
1: And my name's Laura, and I'm looking for a podcast partner who's into Victorian literature, peep show, and drinking gin.
0: Well, two out of three ain't bad. (laughs) How are you? Good. I feel like I made that same joke last week, the... Mm the missing 30 minutes that people will never hear
1: (laughs) so yeah we we had some technical issues didn't we my end the uh my internet wasn't really working and when i got in touch with virgin virgin media who if you're listening virgin media i think you're a shower bastards they told me it was because of the heat wave that that was affecting the internet uh and for like five days we had a flashing green light on our router that nobody knew why and now it's gone hopefully it won't come back that was, that was what I pay 60 quid a month for, for them to tell me that.
0: I'll be honest, I am not an uh, internet expert. I don't think heatwave affects internet speed at all.
1: No, I don't think it does either, unless it's melted the cables. But this was the only thing they could come up with, was that it was heat, or maybe it was something to do with some sort of roadworks in the area that were affecting the fiber optic speed, but they didn't have an actual they couldn't tell me like a postcode this might be a problem in and i just think that they were coming up with the first thing that came into their heads
0: yeah uh fucking heat wave sounds good to me <laughs> sure
1: of course why not yeah um so the dream is dead england out of the world cup didn't even win the the losers game today how are we feeling
0: it's funny to think that If this podcast had come out on time, you and I were all optimistic about England's chances against Croatia.
1: Yeah, we were saying a lot of stupid things, weren't we? Like, this could go all the way, and oh, yeah, yeah, it was all very upsetting on Wednesday night.
0: I was ready to book my tickets to fly out there to take part in the (laughs) victory parade. I mean, like, shit, we were, we were like, ready to roll.
1: Better luck next time, England, yeah, yeah. Three lions,
0: I want a refund for my plane tickets, I'll have you know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh dear what else has been going on over there this week
0: um <laughs> um so a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about after the podcast is over
1: uh, of course the trump stuff yeah we're going yeah. to talk about trump later and then if you don't want to listen you're going to slice it off aren't you? so it's like on its own
0: yeah so a lot has happened and laura and i really just want to talk about it so we are going to talk about it after the show is over so yeah the intro music or the closing music will play you'll hear the fantastic sounds of matt king and man feelings and then as soon as that's over you'll hear us talking about geopolitical issues
1: (laughs) yeah so with that i guess we should get on with talking about poop show
0: yeah, let's go ahead and talk about Peep Show. Let's um, do what
1: we came here to do.
0: Yeah. oh, We're only like three minutes in and we're already talking about Peep Show, so this is, we're <laughs> off to a good start. Usually we're at like the 10-minute mark.
1: That is so, true. That is true. Yeah. So, Big Bad Andy.
0: Yeah, what did you think of this episode?
1: <clears throat> yes, I liked it a lot. I remembered liking it and I still liked it. It was... One of those episodes, though, where I'd sort of forgotten what happened, so I'd confuse some of the stuff that happens next episode with what happened in this episode. Um, I'd forgotten entirely Mark's storyline for the most part.
0: Yeah, uh, that that happened to me as well, where I thought that this was the episode where Mark uh, had to babysit his nephew or whatever, and Joshy. his nephew shits yeah. in the toilet.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. I thought I thought I didn't remember that bit specifically, but I remembered him trying to get to. Trying to be a traveling salesman with no car. I remembered that bit and thought it was in this episode, which it is not. It's in the next episode.
0: Yeah. And uh, I got to tell you, Mark's storyline is kind of, eh, this episode. Uh, But I think Jeremy's with Big Mad Andy is super fucking funny.
1: Yes, I agree with you that Mark's storyline is the weaker of the two, but Big Mad Andy more than makes up for it here.
0: Which is weird because it's really Mark's storyline that is driving the entire episode with jeremy is kind of like a secondary like a very very secondary storyline but really i think jeremy's is way funnier
1: i guess that that kind of is a credit to the character of big bad andy because he is very funny and he does he adds a lot of humor to this episode
0: yeah and liam noble was nice enough to chat with us a little bit on twitter so we will also discuss kind of what we chatted with him about on twitter he's super nice guy
1: Yes, he seems really lovely. Um, Looking forward to talking about what he talked to us about a little bit more.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. So we kick this episode off with Mark and Dobby, and they're at a cafe, and I still cannot find the name of this cafe, so if anybody knows the name of this cafe, please tell me so I can stop um, obsessing over it, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and Mark and Dobby are having their breakfast, and Mark is thinking about, Uh, going to work and Dobby asked him if he's got his salad that she packed in which is a couscous salad.
0: Yeah do you like couscous Laura?
1: No I don't really I'm not really a grains person I don't I don't really like rice and I definitely don't really like couscous what about you?
0: I'm not a couscous fan.
1: No it's fine I don't find it offensive but I wouldn't choose to eat it.
0: Yeah Mark has a good description of it later where he says like little grains of misery sand.
1: Yes, my Tupperware box it tastes Tasteless Misery Sands,
0: and I think he's quite right there. Yeah. Oh, actually, that was, like, the very next line, huh? So I was thinking that was when he was talking to Superhands, Hands, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Davi then just kind of out of nowhere suggests that they do a Dine and Dash, and Mark is kind of appalled at this idea, and he's like, oh, what, should we steal the cutlery and stab a policeman? Yes,
1: he... Um he sort of thinks she's joking but she clearly isn't Um, and he thinks, he says that they're partners in crime and he thinks in his head Bonnie and Clyde not the Wests, which I did my research here and I thought, because I don't really know loads about Bonnie and Clyde other than they were a couple who did the murders and the same for the Wests and I looked to see how many each killed, Bonnie and Clyde killed 12, the West they estimate killed 12 to 13 so actually I think that that's a bigger distinction in Mark's head than in reality, I think they're equally as bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, i didn't know anything about the west who are the west
1: oh they were a couple uh in this country i think they Where are they from like gloucestershire i think maybe like somewhere over in the west country and they were a husband and wife murdering team they mainly killed like their au pairs and their nannies and stuff but they also killed his daughter from his first marriage and they buried them under their patio and like they discovered one and then, like, and they were, I think they were foster parents as well. It was all, it had gone on for years. And then they dug up one and suddenly they found, they hit another one and then they started digging up the garden and there were like 12 of them. And they, she's in prison now. He committed suicide before trial. So. Yeah.
0: Oh. Oh, it's fucked up.
1: Yeah, fucked up pair. They, um, Dominic West, who you know from the wire is that right was he in the wire the english guy
0: yeah sure
1: yeah he so he played fred west in a tv adaptation of his pre-trial interview tapes that i think was called fred west or something like that he was brilliant he was amazing in it like it was like he was fred west he became fred west
0: interesting
1: well worth a a look because i think it's about an hour oh it's called appropriate adult that's what it's called because he had so fred west had learning difficulties and in this country i don't know if it's the same over there but if you've got like a diagnosed learning difficulty you're allowed to have an appropriate adult to, to help you if you're being questioned by the police to sort of explain to you what's going on and it's about his relationship with his appropriate adult based on the interview tapes they had from him
0: Dude, that's crazy. That sounds incredible. I might, I'm definitely probably gonna, yeah, definitely probably gonna check that out.
1: (laughs) I'm sure it's on YouTube or something like that. It was on a few years ago, and he's like, honestly, if you watch it, then look up news footage of Fred West. It's uncanny.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. That sounds incredible. As, I did we talk about what did we talk about? My fascination with true crime novels was that like two or three weeks ago. A few weeks ago,
1: yeah, we agreed that we both had a massive interest in in true crime so uh, it looks like the whole thing's on youtube so there you go
0: i am sad somebody beat us to the true crime podcast uh genre i
1: know i know there's there's so many of them but there's so many really great ones out there it's uh it's they're all worth a listen i don't know i like true crime garage do you listen to that one uh i don't oh
0: that's Unfortunately, brutal. with Big Brother on right now, my podcast listening is almost all, it's like 99% Big Brother and then 1% uh, pro wrestling.
1: Fair, fair enough. So. um. <laughs> anyway, where were we? <laughs> i probably going to murder a tangent.
0: So Mark sees that Davi really is serious about doing a dine and dash and Mark is just kind of uh, appalled by it. And Davi says that, you know, not everybody that does a, Dine and Dash aren't all criminals, and Mark thinks that they definitely are. Uh, Davi says that Gerard's death has made her really think about stuff, and that Mark has got to live his life, and Mark thinks like, "Uh uh-oh, time to shut this down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, he says, oh, living your life, though, isn't just swimming with dolphins and climbing Machu Picchu, it's everything, it's me drinking my tea here, like, it's me just, like, taking in the birdsong, and she... Uh, He just is thinking in his head that he doesn't want to have a giant rucksack strapped to him and sleep in hostels, which I agree with him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, that he can't uh, have a peaceful poo in a hostel. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, She says that it wouldn't cost very much. Uh, what do you think? And he thinks that he hates and fears all facets of that idea. But luckily, he's saved by Jeremy, who walks into the cafe and says, hey.
0: Yeah, Jeremy just sort of bebops into the cafe at that point And Mark looks a little shocked and is like, well, why are you up so early? And Jeremy thinks to himself so that he can stare at Dobby.
1: Yes, but actually, he what he says is because Big Mad Andy started painting the kitchen.
0: And Mark really likes this because Big Mad Andy or as he calls him, Big Mad Very Cheap Indeed, Andy. Um, You know, is doing the handiwork at the apartment, and while he's not great, at least he's incredibly cheap.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going to see why he's so cheap very shortly, I would
0: say. One thing I do remember about this episode is that until, really, this podcast, I had never connected that Big Mad Andy was the handyman from the party.
1: Oh, had you not? I No, I did know that. I do remember sort of cheering when he was on screen that, oh, big man, is back.
0: Yeah, and and then um, I did kind of an entire, ep- entire series rewatch kind of over the year because I was looking at, you know, like, are there overarching themes? Are there stories that carry throughout the entire uh, show? And then all of a sudden I was watching this episode and I was like, oh, oh, that's the guy that fixed the bathroom door that kicked it open. Or not, well, I and- guess not kicked it open, but punched it or something like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's particularly funny as well because it it's sort of six years later like in real time, this must have been a good six years, seven years later that Big Bad Andy appeared, but he's he's unchanged.
0: Yeah, and we actually asked Liam Noble about this (laughs) a little bit. Do you wanna go ahead and talk about that now or do you want to wait till a little Yeah,
1: yeah, no go on, carry on.
0: Okay, yeah, so we actually asked him about this and we asked him about, you know, like, was it weird that you um, hold on. Let me pull up the Let me pull up his response real quick. Sorry. This oh, sorry? is riveting, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> you can okay. edit this down so we look like we were prepared.
0: Yeah. Uh so yeah, the question I asked him is I asked him, I said, Did you ever think you were gonna be back on the show after your first appearance? And his response was that when Peep Show called him back, he had actually stopped acting altogether and was working at a primary school with children with special needs so and he said he was super excited to get a call from channel four at that point
1: yeah which is amazing to think that he'd given up acting and sort of came out of retirement for for one last gig
0: yeah and it's really cool because this sort of became the role that i i mean i know liam noble has had a you know fairly decent career but you know this is really the role that he's known for and he was only in three episodes and two of the episodes were separated by you know like six years
1: yeah absolutely um so what's i gonna say i can't remember we've jumped ahead because he's not even in it yet so yeah we 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 should maybe we'll talk a bit more about what he said when we get to the yeah get yeah that's appearing. fine that's fine yeah 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 so where did we get to hang on i've lost track in my notes
0: uh oh big very, man, big bad, very
1: cheap indeed yeah. yeah so jeremy asks if they want another coffee but dobby says that she's sorry they've got to go to work and he says oh, fine, i'll find i'll walk with you because he's going in that direction <laughs> and and he, and he thinks that he can't be in love with her because he's you, marks and it would be like a weird kind of incest although even normal incest is a bit odd um, and we then cut seamlessly to scene two, which is the three of them walking down the street. And they are just obviously walking to the station or the bus stop or something.
0: Yeah, and they're walking down a street, thanks again to IMDB. I know the name of the street. They're walking down Barnfield Road in Ealing, London. And what was really interesting to me was I looked to see when this episode came out, and I was like 2002. And... I'm sure you're probably familiar that on Google Maps, you can kind of scroll through to see all the pictures of a certain area.
1: Yes, yeah, I am.
0: If you go back to 2012, you actually can see the house, you know, because they're walking in front of a house that has kind of a blue tarp and a, like a bin, like a giant bin in front of it. If you go back to the 2012 pictures on YouTube, you can actually see that house and that bin. So, Ah, uh, pretty interesting.
1: That is quite interesting. It's a very nice-looking street. Uh, you can tell it's in a nice part of London.
0: Yeah, the houses look freaking amazing in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and as they're walking uh, down the road, um, he, Mark says he sort of starts a conversation and he says to Dobby that actually, you know, really it and it sounds good, but he was thinking about finally starting an MBA, so maybe they could do it when they get... Maybe, sorry maybe they could do it after that as you know in the distant future and Dobby says we'll do it when we get back we're not immigrating to the moon
0: yeah which I thought was funny she's you know uh, uh, one thing that I love about my wife is that she support like if I said that I wanted to do this my wife would say okay we'll just we'll vacation later like you do what you need to do to be successful whereas like I feel like Dobby is being a little selfish here and you know saying like Oh, well no no no. Don't don't do what you need to do. Let's do what I want to do.
1: Yeah, that's Dobby all over that. I you know, I think this is one of the reasons why Dobby and Mark are not meant to be is that they don't support each other's stuff, do they really? And this is in keeping with that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I know that um, if I I know that if I wanted to go back and get an MBA, my wife would be all for it
1: i'm trying to think whether phil would be um he would be as long as he as long as it wasn't going to cost him like 12 grand in fees which it probably would at this point in theory he would be in in, he would be supportive
0: yeah and i I want to talk about this i want to talk about this mba a little bit later because i kind of had a realization while i was watching this episode
1: that's okay i did some major research into the mba because i was like i wanted to know all sorts of things about his degree so i've got I've done
0: way too much research into this NBA also. Um, So as they're walking down the street, Dobby sees this cat and she starts kind of talking about her love for cats and how she loves the whole screw you all, I'm a cat vibe. Uh, She tells Mark that they always had cats in the house. They had Georgie, Pickle, Fonzie, Socks, and Bobtail. Mark quotes, or Mark comments that that was quite a lot of cats. And Dobby replies, we were quite near an A road. And for some reason, I feel like you and I had a very funny discussion last week when we talked about this.
1: We talked, didn't we, about my daughter had just read a book at um, nursery about death, and you were appalled that my f- just four-year-old was, was learning about the realities of death. And it was, she'd read a book about how pets die, and grandparents <laughs> die, and we all die. And I, you were appalled I was less so, because that seems that seems like a usual kind of... Segue into death for, for children here and uh she was asking me about had i had any pets that had died and i said that i had and she said that was sad and then i told her about my granddad that died before she was born and she was like oh that was sad and then didn't give a shit two minutes later <laughs> 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 she asked like what happens when you die and i was trying to explain like akuna matata is the circle of life um and i explained about like i thought cremation was probably a bit much for a four-year-old but I told her about like oh, putting you in the ground, and my granddad was cremated, but we buried his ashes in a in a woodland cemetery, and he had a tree built on top of him. And I said, oh, you know, granddad George was was married to um, Nanny Joyce, who's my nan, who's still alive, and you know, you've seen pictures of him. She's like, oh yeah, I know granddad George. And I said, if you like, we can go and see his tree, which is where his bones are. And she was like, oh yeah, that that'd be nice. It'd be nice to see his bones. And then she was a bit thoughtful for like twenty seconds, and then she was like, but. Paw Patrol's on, so I'm going to be off, you know. uh...
0: (laughs) At this point, Davi says that she'd better be off to get to the bus, and everybody kind of says goodbye, and Jeremy looks at Mark and says, hey, are you going to go in a railing And Mark says, what do you think? Why can't Davi just move into the flat so we can have some lovely normal time? Is that too much to ask? (laughs) Sitting indoors with some incredibly strong cheddar and... Mark, or excuse me, Jeremy thinks, she doesn't want your cheddar, she wants my veiny, intriguing Stilton. <laughs> which is we really then, gross. Which is really
1: gross, yeah. Um, we then move on to Baths, Bathrooms and Fittings, where Mark is sitting with a customer and Super Hans is sitting like behind him, and he's sitting with a customer who is Tom Baston, who I recognised from various things, he's been in various things, but most recently played Jeremy Corbyn in the spoof programmed the Windsors and was very funny in it but I was like it was really bugging me who he was because he's got a bit of a beard in this I think and he doesn't have generally and I was like who the hell are you why do I know your face and um, but Mark is talking to him about what he what the customer wants for his bathroom which is a very modern but also very traditional look which is foxing Mark
0: yeah and I think that this just sounds like the worst looking thing ever
1: <laughs> yeah I agree with you I think that these are as Mark says two very disparate styles
0: Yeah, and you know, he does a good job of like really trying to talk this guy off the ledge, so to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah, he says he doesn't think it's an idea that actually exists in the world, but Superhands, he interjects and says, you're looking for classic meets modern and the uh, he says, so clawfoot bath with thin line cistern, and the customer agrees that that is what he wants.
0: Yeah, this is very funny, and then uh, Superhands just kind of Sits down, kind of scooches Mark out of the way. Mark tries to put up a protest about like, "Hey, this is my customer," and Superhands just says, "Well, considering I'm your boss now." And Mark is a little taken aback by this news that Superhands is his ba- or boss. Yes, um,
1: he says, "Since when?" And he says, "Since this morning, I'm your boss." And then Mark says, "You can't just take my customer." And Hans says, I can for two reasons. One, because, yeah, he wants me to. And second of all, because I'm your boss. So I'm going to be taking this customer.
0: And then he gives Mark some money and he tells Mark to get them a large latte in a pan. And a raisin. Paneraison, thank you.
1: Goddamn <laughs> yeah, foreign
0: language words.
1: <laughs> and I really like the way Super hands him the money. It's like a folded in half twenty pound note and he kind of like <laughs> he just sort of he's got it between his two fingers and he sort of just like palms it to him like he's such a baller that it's like, Oh, here's some cash, go and get me what I want.
0: When I used to play poker all the time, that was uh occasionally we would play with instead of chips, we would play with actual like real money. And that was how you would like put the Big dollar bills in the or the big 20 dollar bill in the middle you would like fold it in <laughs> half and set it like a little tent and you just try to make yourself look cool as fuck while doing it
1: maybe that's where hands has picked up this technique from
0: i could see hands being a poker player Yeah, me too. i can't see him being a good poker player
1: <laughs> no it would depend how many drugs he's taken as to how good he was at poker i reckon
0: that is true
1: um so he mark heads out and he thinks, don't fist me again, fate. This can't be right. Um, and he asks Robert Grayson on his way out if Hans is his boss now. And he says, well, that depends on how you define boss. And Mark says, just in the normal way. And <laughs> Robert Grayson says, well, yeah, yeah, yeah is then. Uh,
0: I love this little quick little interaction between Mark and Robert Grayson where, um, yeah, it's very funny where he's just like, oh, uh, is this your... Um, uh, you know, how do you define boss? And then Mark says in the normal way, and he just says yes. Uh, then Superhands is your <laughs> boss, and Mark <laughs> thinks this is insane. This is like Sean Ryder, responsible for setting the libor rates.
1: Yeah, so I had to look up what the libor rate was. Do you do you know who Sean Ryder is?
0: I know that you told me last week, but I think so that this he's... is when the yeah. te- problem started. So yeah,
1: so Sean Ryder is the was one of the members of the Happy Mondays who were a notoriously drug adult banned from the late 80s early 90s uh and he i think he was on crack anyway it didn't go well for him and he's now like i mean he's like, he's a great just say no advertisement i have to say um and so that's sean rider and the libor rate i had to look up and it's apparently the interest paid on debt by corporations there you go
0: oh yeah that makes sense
1: yeah yeah
0: all right so now this is entirely new content so, we're in uncharted territories. All this conversation <laughs> that you hear will be first time. The questions will be first time. And it'll be amazing. Like, yeah. it'll be witty, funny, <laughs> insightful, might <be> even <laughs> tear drinking.
1: So, we move on to the break room of Bob's bathrooms and fittings. And Mark and Hans are in there. And uh, hand, or, or Hans walks in and asks Mark if he's having his lunch. Um, to which Marcus is is, and he's eating his couscous salad because Dobby makes a big batch at the
0: start of the week. Yep, and he talks and he talks about how uh, Superhand notes that the salad looks fucking grim. Mark says that he just closes his eyes, he shovels it in as fast as he can, he opens them up, and there's the same amount there. Um, we also find out that Dobby leaves him little notes in his lunch pail, and the one that she left today said, Because I heart you
1: lovely heartwarming
0: what is it with mark and women drawing him cartoons
1: yeah i don't know that's a good point i don't think anyone's ever put a love note in my lunch
0: phil if you listen to this (laughs) which we know you don't uh
1: (laughs) he does make my lunch as well maybe i need to start hinting that i feel unloved and need more more uh more assertion in my lunch times that he loves me
0: (laughs) uh maybe i'll start doing that to nicole i will uh i will try to do this with nicole and then i'll report back to you guys on what happened
1: to be fair i normally just moan when he makes my lunch because it means i can't go to the canteen at work and get like a nice sandwich i have to have like his slap together cheese sandwiches and he'll be like well it's the last week of the month
0: oh my god i totally can empathize with this by the way where it's like you bring you know that's one thing is that i just love hot food in general like not even necessarily hot food but like fresh food that hasn't been refrigerated yeah yeah and so sometimes like bringing your lunch with you can be quite a chore because you're bringing food that was made yesterday and is not always necessarily tastes the best when it's reheated
1: i'm completely with you but but you know phil phil give you an argument about economics
0: yeah oh i know it's uh (laughs) no i mean it's since we started this diet and i haven't been eating out as much it definitely has saved us you know a fair amount of money not spending oh it,
1: de- it definitely does like eating properly and like sensibly and you know to a meal plan and stuff it definitely it helps you financially as well as health-wise but man it's boring
0: yeah <laughs> superhands looks at mark and says listen mark i'm sorry about earlier but i'm gonna have to be on your case pretty much permanently now belittling you if needs be <laughs> and then he just tells mark you know hey
1: oh bear with me it's my mobile ring and he knows i'm you're on air,
0: Philip. I'm on podcasting,
1: spe- dude. Oh, you're leaving. Alright, um, enjoy. Well, the girls alright? Well, the girls okay? Alright, I'll see you soon. Drive, drive safe. Love you, baby.
0: I'm totally leaving this in. <laughs> she put him on speaker so the whole world could have heard him. Mark says that you know, Hans is belittling actually in a way kind of made him pleased because it made him finally decide to do something and super hands just all of a sudden looks very concerned and he says you've got plenty to live for mark you've got a kid
1: <laughs> yeah i love this and i love that i love uh, mark's reaction where he's like no not suicide and Hans seems surprised he's like no oh, really? oh
0: yeah
1: <laughs> uh, but mark says that he's finally going to do an nba evening class and to get a business of his own going and Hans says, that's great. That's them both moving up in the world. And since he's got prospects now, he's going to try and find the perfect partner. And I love this line. He says, he's been lucky enough to have shared relationships with some very creative, volatile, very intense women. But now he just really wants a normal one. <laughs> Which is completely my date in history, I have to say. That was that was pretty much everyone I'd ever been with before I met Phil, who is the normal one.
0: Yeah, uh, you had some relationships with some very creative, very volatile, intense people. <laughs>
1: very very creative very intense
0: yeah i never really you know i i I think about like some of my friends relationships where they're just like oh my god we just fight all the time and but you know we make up and our relationship's stronger than ever and i'm like oh who's got the energy
1: for that mate
0: yeah yeah i
1: agree with you i've been there and it's so tiring i enjoy i enjoy the honor levelness of phil
0: yeah um everybody's kind of at this point we go back to apollo house and everybody's just kind of chilling out over chilling out over at apollo house um jeremy and dobby are sitting in the living room and mark and Hans walk in and mark just says meet mr eisenhower and dobby looks all excited and says oh or uh excuse me mark says meet mr eisenhower uh isn't it a sweetie and Jeremy asks Hans what he thinks, and Hans just looks at him and says, Oh, I'm guessing cat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and Mark goes to let Mr. Eisenhower out of his carrier, and uh, Dobby looks over and she says, Oh, it's a uh, Siamese. Yeah, I don't like those. They're a bit horrible. Uh, and sort of loses interest immediately.
0: Yeah, and all I can say to that, Dobby, is fuck you, Siamese are the best.
1: I oh, do you like, so, I think Siamese are a bit mean.
0: Oh, I've never had a bad interaction with a Siamese cat. Oh, maybe really? I've just See, been lucky in my life.
1: No, well, maybe I've maybe I've been unlucky because all the Siamese I've ever known uh, have been a bit fighty and beaten up my cats who weren't Siamese. So maybe it was just bad luck.
0: Maybe they're just territorial. I don't know. My best friend yeah. in high school had a uh, a chocolate point Siamese, and uh, that thing was awesome. I loved it.
1: I mean, they're beautiful. They're really beautiful, but. All I've ever known is bit them being on the the uh, delivery end of some hard cat beatings. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Mark thinks that this is horrible because his uh, woman bait has failed and now he's going to have to look after the cat until he dies. They can live for 25 years, he'll be 60 and doubly incontinent and Dobby still won't have moved in with him
1: yes um and i saw on your notes that you'd said what cat lives to be 25 so i did the research and are so you hearing th-
0: this thunder by the way
1: yes i can hear it i thought i thought can i hear thunder i thought it was maybe because they said there might be thunderstorms here but i can't see a cloud in the sky so i was very confused
0: Oh, it's crazy. I just noticed that that my uh, mic is picking it up. I didn't realize the thunder was so loud. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: That's okay. So, yeah, um, so anecdotally, my sister had a cat that lived to be 19. She was called Andre. Uh, And my mum had a cat that lived to be 22. She was called Linda, but still obviously not 25. But then I Googled oldest cat in the world, and I can tell you the oldest cat on record was... Hold on,
0: hold on, hold on let me think here uh you, i'm gonna say 41
1: oh you're quite close 38 years and three days old that was that, cream, is... that is old that was cream puff cream puff was a resident of austin texas he was owned by a guy called jake perry and cream puff was a girl as are the two cats I mentioned, so maybe female cats live longer, uh, and she lived between the third of August 1967 till the sixth of August 2005.
0: That is fucking nuts. That is an old ass cat.
1: That is really old. I mean, that's that's like I say, my mum's cat Linda, who was 22, thought that was old. That she's always spoken about as being like a really elderly cat, and and Andre, my sister's cat, who was only 19, she was she was falling apart. She was she mm. had. Everything wrong with her, she was bald in places, she didn't have a whisker left in her head. I would hate to have seen a 38-year-old cat.
0: Man, that's nuts. Just uh cruising along like all bald and shit because he doesn't have any more hair.
1: She was honestly, she was so she died about six months after I got together with Phil and she was in such a state that my mum wouldn't let her wouldn't let Phil see her because she was so bald and she had like a tumour. That they'd been she'd had chemotherapy and she was like, she smelt bad, and it was like it's it's not gonna give the best impression if he meets Andre, so we'll just keep her upstairs when he comes around.
0: <laughs> Poor Andre.
1: Poor Andre. <laughs> I'm sure
0: Phil would have loved Andre regardless.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah, I'm sure.
0: Um. So Mark walks into the kitchen and he sees Big Mad Andy, and he thinks to himself, Great, it looks like Big mad Andy's done no painting at all. And Mark asks Andy if he wants a cup of char or would you prefer some? And he thinks to himself, what's a blokey name for coffee? And then says hot Java. And Andy says he's just fine with a lager.
1: Yeah, he likes a proper drink when he's working. <laughs> and, um, and you can see there are various tins around him to prove this. Uh, and Mark asks if, if he's sure it's due like Heritage because it's all in unmarked tins. And a big man Andy said, that's how the trade get them. And Mark seems unconvinced. Uh, He then says, is that definitely Breakfast Room Green as well? And Andy just says, in the most pissed off tone imaginable, whatever you ask for, mate, that's what it is. And kind of his tone would tell you that there's going to be no further discussion about this.
0: Yes, and Mark thinks, I really enjoyed this part because Mark kind of feels like he won. Um, (laughs) At this point, Davi walks into the kitchen kitchen and says so have you thought more about the inner railing plan and mark thinks to himself make it seem boring my signature dish <laughs> and then he says to dobby i was thinking we should plan the route meticulously how we're going to get to each place timetable hostile pricing structures really dig down in the details and this is just fine with dobby
1: yeah yeah she seems actually excited about that idea um and Mark thinks, great, great work there, Corrigan. I've shot myself, shot yourself in the foot and then scored a known goal with it. Just then the doorbell rings and he goes to it to open it to a woman that we've never seen before. Uh, And she says that she's here about the ballet shoes.
0: And Mark is super confused. And he's like, the ballet shoes? Is she going to mention Jesus? And the woman looks a little concerned and she says, sorry, have I got the right flat? And before Mark can answer, Super Hands comes around the corner and he says, Sarah, Sarah, yeah? Come for the ballet shoes, yeah? Just a minute. And then they shut the door on her face and Hans explains his scheme to Mark.
1: Yes, he says he's worked out how to find the perfect woman. Um, it's to advertise on FreeCycle, which I don't know if that's something you have there, but it's a website where you offer stuff you don't need for free to people. Um, It's kind of like eBay, but without the payment. And um, he says that if he works out the right combination of free stuff, you can engineer who comes for it. So... Um, he's put these ballet shoes on and he explains that she's going to be conventional, have a conventional nature but with an adventurous love of the arts and she's going to be limber.
0: If you get get my drift.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Mark and, uh, Mark wants sorry, to go. know... Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, 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 go on.
0: Uh, Mark wants to know why Superhands is using his place and not Superhands's own home and Hans says, his place has a bit of a men's hostel vo- vibe. It's a bit, uh, a little bit semen and Marcus <laughs> thinks to himself, okay, well, I guess I win.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of it being a bit rank, a bit semen because it completely describes, like, especially when I was a student and I think back to the student houses I lived in and I, I lived in a house at one point that was like, it was massive. It had eight bedrooms and we were split six boys to two girls and i think it would be fair to say it was a bit rank a bit seemingly in there so i completely kind of picture what hans's place looks like
0: uh hans starts to hand her the shoes and he says that uh his sister bought him and then went just right off ballet into bowling which are different different shoes uh he pulled out a square pusher cd and i think i've told you about the game that my wife and i play right Where we try to figure out the last release of a band?
1: Ah, yes, yes, you have told me about that game before.
0: Alright, how many albums do you think that Square Pusher has released?
1: Oh my god, um... Oh, so I can think of two, I think, off the top of my head, so... I am going to say that they have released, I think that that, the two albums I can think of are like 30 years old. Six albums.
0: 17.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Okay. When do you think the most recent uh, uh, Square Pusher album was released?
1: Well, as the two I can think of are like 20 years ago, and I'm pretty sure one of those is their debut album, I'm going to say... They must have been releasing stuff all the time. So, two years ago, 2016?
0: It was 2017, called Electric. Uh,
1: there we go, Co- close. Have they pretty much released an album a year for the past 20? Is that, is that their career? Uh, Yeah, I mean, 96,
0: 97, 98, 99... Didn't release anything in 2000, 2001, 2002, nothing in 2003, nothing in 2005, nothing in 2007, 8, 9, 10, nothing in 11, 12, nothing in 13, 14, or 16.
1: Wow, I mean, that's prolific.
0: Yeah, and uh, they, albums for the most part, seem to do okay. Wow,
1: well, they've they've clearly got a dedicated fan base.
0: I believe it is just one person.
1: <laughs> oh yeah it is, isn't it? It's a pseudonym for one man.
0: Yes, it is one man.
1: Whose whose name I don't know, but yeah, I know it is a got one guy. He
0: has a very he has a very British name. What is his are you name? ready for it? Go on. Thomas Russell Jenkinson.
1: Oh wow, yeah, that's it. that's in the it's not quite as fancy as Tarquin Oliver Nimrod, but it's in that kind of like, ballpark. Oh, hello. You seem to have muted yourself or something on Zencaster. Hello. Yeah. Hey. I don't know what happened there. That's odd. Weird. Maybe, I just started in. Maybe it just got really hot again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really hot. <laughs> Maybe the British Podcasting Confederation just really doesn't want us to record this episode.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe this is a particularly displeasing episode to them.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. Maybe they're just like, <laughs> you know what? Fuck the L Dude Brothers podcast and their <laughs> stupid faces.
1: <laughs> Where were we? What were we saying?
0: Uh, What was the last thing you heard me say?
1: Uh, We were talking about how Squarepisher was one man and he had a really British name.
0: Oh, did you hear the br- really British name?
1: Was Thomas something, Oliver Jenkinson, was it?
0: Thomas Russell Jenkinson, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So, um, anyways, and then Superhands just pretty much tells this woman to fuck off and that he, uh, she can't have anything if she doesn't want the CD and the drugs.
1: Yeah, yeah, she doesn't want the speed. She doesn't want the CD, so she can fuck right off.
0: Yeah. And later, we see Mark and Dobby, and they are in Mark's bedroom, and they are on Mark's computer, and they're doing, like, the thing that I really enjoy doing, which is, uh, um, uh, Google, uh, like, moving around places on Google Earth.
1: Yeah, where you pull the little man down the road, and they are on a street in, oh, where are they? Uh, oh, maybe it doesn't say. Oh, Antwerp.
0: Yeah, they're on, um... Succarou Street in Antwerp.
1: Yeah, um, and they are looking at what's there. There is the restaurant Maritime, six bars, a pizzeria, and a large pharmacy.
0: Yeah, and Mark says, oh, look at this, we could go anywhere. And he thinks that this will maybe slake her thirst for adventure. And he says, ah, it's the restaurant Maritime, which I imagine might well be a fish restaurant. And I double-checked, it's still open
1: it looks nice actually would would go there yeah um uh so she's still insatiable for this she says we definitely will go and do this for real and he says that he definitely will he just needs to do square things with robert and hands um and then he segues into that remember i'm doing a late night stock take tonight um and she says yep no problem she's gonna hang out with jess watch animal planet and get all drugged up on reefers
0: i love this and uh mark then just looks at her and says i know that that's not really the the slang and then davi says i know you know uh see you later daddy-o and then (laughs) mark walks out of his room at this point and as he does jeremy comes excitedly running out and we see big bad andy sitting on jeremy's bed back in jeremy's bedroom
1: yeah um and mark says what's going on he says why is andy not painting and jeremy says that he's his new life coaching client it's great he's got so many issues he's a genuine gold-plated maniac
0: (laughs) 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 um mark can already tell that this is not a good idea and that shit is gonna go south so he pretty much just tells jeremy like you need to leave him to a a a professional with medical training Jeremy says that he's got medical training, but Mark corrects him and lets him know that all he has is a utterly meaningless forged certificate. Yeah,
1: um, and Jeremy says aren't you know actually aren't all qualifications meaningless? And Mark says, "Well, no, this one's really meaningless because I printed it for you."
0: Yeah, um, and then Jeremy tells Mark that Andy's the most mental man he's ever met. He punches people after he's had way too many, but what he really wants is to get punched himself, and Mark just couldn't be less interested in this conversation, and he just says, fascinating.
1: <laughs> he then says, remember where I am tonight? Um, and Jeremy says, oh, your secret learning thing, and he says, yeah, don't tell Dobby. If she knows I'm starting an MBA, she's going to realize that she's not serious. I'm not serious about being strapped to a massive rucksack for a month and getting stabbed in Boulogne." <clears throat>
0: Yeah. And so next thing we see is the inside of the MBA class. It's kind of a U like a giant set of U shaped tables. And there's probably what, like twenty five or thirty people in there.
1: Yes. Um, and there is a lecturer at the front who says that he wants to stress again that this is an eighteen month part time MBA course and Mark is thinking that this is the start of his new life. Hi there, I'm Mark Corrigan, MA MBA, which spells Member, which is a kind of sexy snake.
0: Okay. And this is what I wanted to talk about. Okay. So when we were talking about Jeremy's life coaching, you know, we talked about how we kind of wished that the life coaching classes had been made into a like ongoing storyline. And we said, well, but you know, the life coaching class was only like two or three weeks. This was 18 months. I really wish this would have been kind of a more, you know, more of a bigger story.
1: But do you think he actually did it? Or do you think he wussed out
0: Oh, I definitely think he was out after he met, uh, after this episode, but they could have kind of put some of the stuff that happens in this episode on hold a little bit to actually give him time to, you know, complete his MBA.
1: I guess that's true. Yeah. It probably would have been interesting to see him do his MBA. Um, I wanted, I had some questions of my own about this MBA, so I didn't really know what an MBA was. So I looked into it and I see it's some sort of masters of business, um, which makes sense, but I thought that surely a. So I don't know how your degrees work over there. Do you have? Do you have the same letters that we do? So like a bachelor of arts is a BA, and yes, a, yeah, and a master of arts is an MA. So I thought surely he's not a master of arts. Surely his masters, if he did business studies, would be, a, M- master.
0: It's master of business, uh, administration, right?
1: Yeah, but he's already got an MA because he says it's gonna spell Mamba. So Oh okay. Yeah, so I thought if he's done business studies he's surely gotta have a MSC, which is like the mathsy one. But I so I texted my friend who did economics, which is a close enough degree, I thought, and I learned something, which is that apparently business studies and economics are very similar. But if you do business studies, it's a BA or an MA because it's not got much maths in it, so it's considered an art subject. And if you do economics, you get a, a, a BSC or an MSc, so it's considered a science subject because there's more maths in it. So there you go.
0: Wow, I never knew that.
1: No, live and learn. I just assumed that business studies sounded a bit sort of mathy and technical, so it must be a science subject and not an art subject, but it is not. Hmm.
0: That's interesting. I honestly didn't know th- what the difference no, was.
1: No. And I also was intrigued to see if I could spell out anything with the letters after my name, and I can't. map it's So I'm M-A and a P-G-C-E, and that spells nothing. So that's disappointing. P-G-C- I was hoping...
0: P-G-C-A.
1: M-A-P-G-C-E spells map is yeah Yeah, which is not a sexy snake, so that's upsetting.
0: Um, As the teacher, who looks very young, is kind of droning onto the class, the door opens and in walks Stephanie, who is going to be Mark's interest this episode.
1: Yes, she is an older lady with a lovely haircut who says she's very sorry it's been late, but she had a parking nightmare because it was on a red route. She comes and sits next to Mark and she shakes his hand and says she's really sorry. She's the sort of person who hates late- latecomers, but you know, look at her. Uh, you're allowed to violently hate me. She introduces herself as Stephanie. And he thinks, oh, wow, she's lovely. And a lovely older lady who's into business.
0: Yeah, she is. She seems very lovely. She <laughs> sits down and she immediately starts kind of whisper talking to Mark. And she asks Mark if the teacher's any good and mentions that he looks like he's 12. Mark says, I can't talk, or thinks, I can't talk when the teacher's talking. I have never, ever talked when the teacher is talking. And he responds to Stephanie, juries out. And yes. then we go on to see what. Jeremy and Dobby are doing while Mark is getting his MBA.
1: Yes, so um, Mark uh, sorry, no, nah, not Mark Jeremy brings Dobby in a couple of faces that he's used the good stuff that Mark thinks he's got hidden and they are sharing a joint uh, Dobby asks how Andy is and Jeremy says you know, he's fine. I kind of wish he'd go home at this point though And Sort of fine. It's sort of fine um, but he's vulnerable and a violent drunk so you know, how it is
0: Yeah, and uh, as they're watching kind of a nature documentary and and Jeremy just says, bees are idiots, aren't they? And Dobby's like, yeah, they are. They totally are. And this is not what Jeremy wanted to hear.
1: No, uh, he says they've got incredible compatibility on the bee front, but they must disagree on something. So he asks her what she thinks of Venetian snares, who are apparently a band. I had to look them up. Um, And she says that he's a... Decent low-end Samsung, but Apex Twins still the iPhone, do you know what I mean? And Jeremy's really pleased with this analogy, really, like, thinks it's really spot-on, but then thinks, oh, shit, please don't be perfect. Please don't be the one!
0: <laughs> and I always thought when she said Venetian snares that she was literally talking about, like, uh, oh, but you know what, I guess that would be shades, Venetian shades, so I guess I'm the stupid idiot.
1: My only clue was I knew Apex Twin were a thing, so that... Otherwise I wouldn't
0: have, I would have, they could have been talking about anything. Yeah. Um While they're sitting on the couch, just kind of chit chatting about this and that you all of a sudden hear just uh big man, Andy just kind of bellow out, you know, uh, Jez, I need your help. <laughs> and Jeremy's like, oh fuck, I don't want to deal with this. And so he goes back into the kitchen and, uh, big man, Andy just looks at Jeremy and says, Jeremy am i mad tell me the truth and jeremy just thinks to himself as a box of twats
1: as a bottle of twats which is one of my my go-to uh insults (laughs) i love love mad as a bottle of twats Uh, and jeremy says to him no you've just got some challenging behavior and issues around punching which we're working through and big man Andy's crying he says i want to stop feeling like this and jez thinks is this good collapsing positive collapsing um, <laughs> yeah he's just letting it all out crying's good he's gonna stop in a minute and feel a lot better
0: yeah it's very funny oh yeah and as he kind of collapses he kind of collapses right in front of the um refrigerator and jeremy really wants to get a twix and he asks dobby if she likes twix because there's two of them in the freezer and dobby says she hates twix and jeremy's like yeah that's perfect because i fucking adore them and then dobby does the old only joking who doesn't like twixes though they're fantastic
1: they are fantastic to be fair um and jeremy says i know you're working through a lot of stuff andy but could you just get to the twixes but andy's still collapsed crying on the floor
0: yeah we see a little short time later uh mark is back at the um the MBA class and he's looking at kind of the different cups of coffee or types of coffee that they have and they have they have breakfast blend special blend and double black diamond extra special blend holy christ that was a tongue teaser
1: (laughs) yeah which sounds delicious
0: yeah and Mark just thinks to himself uh I'm just gonna go with uh what I know breakfast blend it is
1: he's not very adventurous is he
0: no do you have a coffee flavor of preference uh
1: i like i like a cold latte but if i'm going hot i like less like less milk and more coffee so i like like cappuccinos like things that are like sort of where the ratio is that way around or just black coffee but i'm one of those difficult people so i have i have trouble i'm not like lactose intolerant but i have trouble with milk it like repeats on me so i always have soy milk so i have to go somewhere where they have soy milk or otherwise i just have to have it black so if i'm somewhere where they've just got normal milk i'll just have it black what about
0: you oh um i like uh i like light coffee like uh like a blonde coffee
1: oh okay i don't really know what that means is that less strong than normal coffee
0: i don't know that it's necessarily less strong than a normal coffee but it just it's got uh, it doesn't have quite the bitter taste to it that coffee sometimes has.
1: Okay, I don't think that's a mainstream thing here because I've either I've never heard of it or I'm a terrible cretin.
0: Is there a Starbucks near you?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's Starbucks everywhere, every corner, mate. I mean, I spit out the window and I hit a Starbucks.
0: Okay, yeah. Just tell them you want a Verona blend, and the, that'll be a, a white. That'll be like a light coffee for you.
1: Uh, I'm gonna do that tomorrow, and I'll report back.
0: All right. If you don't like it it wasn't you just your take fault. Some, yeah you just take some money out of the paypal to pay it pay yourself back for the experiment <laughs>
1: um so uh mark is thinking about stephanie and wondering if he should worry about being so attracted to her um he says that she is lovely maybe that's what he needs is an older lovely older lady to tell me what to do with my life to a grown up i bet she's terrific at sex and uh she sort of says care to join me and he thinks, oh, yeah, that she's a proper
0: human being. Yeah, and this really cracks me up that Mark just assumes she's good at sex. She
1: probably is,
0: though. She does look filthy. She does? Oh, yeah. God damn, does she ever. <laughs> um,
1: well, you know what he means.
0: Yeah, she does remind me a bit. She kind of has that Callie personality that Mark yeah. seems to just really dig. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at this point... Uh, Mark asks Stephanie if he can sit down with her and she says, that's fine. And um, they start talking about the teacher. They say, Oh, not bad. And Mark says for a 12 year old. And then he kind of chides himself for using the same joke that she had just used. Um, They start kind of talking about what they're, what they're here doing. And Stephanie just wants to know if Mark has any dating ideas and he unleashes his dating idea. A dating yes. app for the discerning individual.
1: Yeah. Um. He would call it either amicus or superium. And she suggests simpatico. And he's like, oh, I like that. And he says you could have two levels, simpatico normalo and simpatico maximus. Um. And she says, what made you think about that? Are you single? And he says, yes, I am. I have been for a while. And he thinks, okay, interesting. Where writing? the fuck
0: did that come from? <laughs> yeah.
1: And she says she's looking to invest in a small business. Maybe they could get together and talk about it um she suggests tomorrow having lunch and um and he suggests a place called the plow and he thinks what am i doing is this business it might not be business feels good though and he thinks i'm reinventing myself he could be anyone he wants to be bond no that's ridiculous he's bergerac
0: (laughs) so next scene we're back at apollo house and it is mark jeremy and big mad andy um andy and jeremy are in the or andy i should say is in jeremy's room and he's kind of like crying and sobbing and stuff like that and mark just says oh i see andy hasn't made any progress and jeremy says not with the decorating but in terms of his mental health he's really nailing his demons and mark (laughs) says well that's all nice but it would be even nicer if he was painting my walls yeah um
1: so jeremy says how was your learning thing and he says normal uneventful and then he sort of thinks again and he says no not normal odd eventful and jeremy immediately leaps on this and says what's the gossip and mark tells him that the dating agency idea that he's had which jeremy says what bringing dull workaholics together to spare the rest of humankind and mark agrees and says yes well he's met a woman who's interested in investing in it
0: and uh jeremy looks as like "Ooh, a woman and mark says it's an older woman And Jeremy wants to know if he fancies her. And Mark says, not, well, maybe a bit. She is nice. She's grown up. She wears fitted jackets. She's conservative with a small C and sexy with quite a big S.
1: Yeah, and I've written in my notes, I think that is definitely Mark's type. I think maybe Stephanie was the one.
0: Oh, that's a hot take. But yes, I might actually agree with you there. I mean,
1: maybe not. I, I don't know. I struggle with this because there are so many people, there are so many women and I've definitely got an opinion on who I think the one is, which I'll discuss later because we haven't seen her again yet, but I, which gives away who I think it was, but I do think out of all the like small women, not small women, like the minor women, maybe Stephanie and Callie, maybe they were the ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely could. uh Yeah. I definitely could see, you know, that uh, I could see him ending up with either of them.
1: Yeah. Um, and jeremy says just one word of advice here and mark says i know what you're gonna say don't throw away what i've got with dubby and he says no my advice is fucking suck i've always thought you needed an older woman to sort you out a sexy auntie and mark says oh i don't know she's interested in in that in that way and jeremy says yeah i'm sure she is just dive in
0: yeah and he just says uh mark just says okay and jeremy just says pull your pants down and put it in her and Mark just kind of rolls his eyes and he says, thank you for the advice, Jeremy. That's great advice. And Jeremy just says, I mean it. Pants down, stick it in. And Mark just says, thanks and walks away. And um, oh, I got some similar advice to this. So, um, you know, worked out okay. So it's <laughs> not the worst advice ever. It's
1: not the worst advice. Probably, probably not the most uh, thoughtful of advice, I'm going to say. But yeah, I mean fine whatever um we then move to the lunchtime date business date where um mark and stephanie are talking as stephanie's talking about the the business idea and she says what about if with the maximus package if you're busy on a work project and you don't have any free evenings you could simply freeze your membership and mark loves this idea um and thinks that she's like a sexy human duncan ballantyne who was one of the dragons on dragon's den over here
0: Ah, okay. I didn't know that.
1: What do you call you? Don't call it Dragons Den, do you? You call it something else. Shark Tank. Shark Tank. That's right. Yeah, Duncan Time was one of our sharks.
0: As Mark and Stephanie are sitting there talking, Jeremy just happens to show up in the cafe, and Mark looks very surprised. Jeremy is just being all super polite to Stephanie. Introduces himself. Mm-hmm. He tells her that he is Mark's oldest and closest friend, and Stephanie kind of retorts back that. Um, I am his newest and most distant.
1: Yeah, which Mark says, oh, no, of course not. I feel like I know you very well. And um, and she sort of, you know, laughs gaily.
0: Yeah, at this point, Mark uh, gets up to go get um, Stephanie and him some food. And Jeremy says, all right, now it's time to stab my friend in the back. Like Judas, out of all the main Jesus helpers, he was the sexy one. <laughs>
1: yeah he sits down with mark says she's a real hottie uh pants down mark stick it in that remains my advice and mark says yes it's easy to remember um and jeremy says that he even though he's only known her for four seconds he thinks that she really might be better for you than dobby and mark says he doesn't even know if dobby still likes him
0: yeah which i don't understand this whole like maybe dobby doesn't like me like why would you Dobby has done nothing this episode to make him think that.
1: No, I think it's just his insecurities, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I'm almost wondering if it's maybe like some sort of internal justification for cheating on her.
1: Yeah, almost certainly. uh, I I agree with you on that one. Um, She says says that Dobby wants him to be different and I want her to be different and maybe it's not right. And Jeremy thinks, this is brilliant. It's like, all my Christmases apart from the last few, which were
0: horrible. And <laughs> they've all come at once. And um, at this point, they're as they're having this conversation, they're walking up towards the front of the pub, and Mark sees Andy drinking at the bar. And Mark looks a little aghast about this and says, you're not giving Andy therapy in the pub, are you? And Jeremy says that he is. They're entering his territory, which is going to give him more confidence to share.
1: Yeah. Um says he's got a family party tonight. His ex is going to be there. So I am life coaching the living fuck out of him. And Mark says, you've got to him, make him talk to somebody who's medically recognized by others. And Jeremy says, you know, you don't think I could do this. Well, I definitely can. I'm going to save this guy. And when I do, I'm going to expect a huge apology from you.
0: A huge apology, Laura.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephanie then comes back and she says she needs to go. But how about come to her house for supper tonight and carry on all this? Um, she'll text your address and then she says you're not allergic to anything are you like the rest of the world constantly pretends to be ha ha ha
0: oh yeah this uh i just feel like this is a very right wing talking point of like yeah. oh look at all look at how what these people are these days back in my day you people know just
1: died are you allergic to anything
0: oh yeah. uh, no no i mean i have minor like pollen allergies but not like uh i'm not like allergic to peanuts or anything like um, that
1: that's good that's good I can't I'm, allergic, I'm allergic to penicillin but that's not something you routinely come up against in everyday life
0: oh my mom is allergic to penicillin
1: yeah it's one of the it's one of the more common allergies me and phil are both allergic to it but touch wood at the moment our children don't seem to be so but i didn't find out i was allergic to it so i was like 10
0: well it's good thing you found out you were allergic to it because my mom is allergic to it and uh she has like a little bracelet that she has to wear whenever she goes to the hospital
1: yeah yeah me too so i had a really bad allergy i don't remember anything of uh summer bank holiday 1995 i had i had had an ear infection i think and had previously taken penicillin with no problems which i know you have to to start to be allergic to something and i was started on a course of penicillin and i had like two doses and then i woke up in Intensive care. Three days later, um, really swollen. Like i completely inflated, like a balloon, and my feet were like twice the size of that they were previously.
0: Dude, that's insane, Laura. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, it was mad. Um, and obviously, I've never had it since. But it's one of those. It's a weird thing because I took it for like ten years with no effects whatsoever.
0: Yeah, Only when positive my mom. Ones. Sorry.
1: Only positive ones previously. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. When my mom was at hospital in England, getting ready to give birth to my sister and I in Oxford, they tried to give her a penicillin shot. And my mom was like, no, I can't take penicillin. I can't remember yeah. what they needed to give her penicillin for, but my mom was like, no. They get really funny get when me. you
1: say you're allergic to it. I guess because people are always saying they're allergic to things, but when you say you're allergic to it, quite often they'll say, oh, what happens to you? And it's like, i end up in intensive care. Like, please don't give it to me. Let's
0: not not try that again. Um, As they walk up to the bar, Big Matt Andy looks at Jeremy and he just says, my thoughts get all speeded up. I just want to get it punched out of me. And Jeremy (laughs) asks Andy if he's been doing his breathing exercises and taking his rescue remedy and mentions (laughs) it. Eh, He's probably just low on zinc. And, um...
1: (laughs) I love that bit. I love it when he's like, oh, he's
0: like, Can you taking your rescue, Robert D. Uh, you probably just love a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jer- uh, Mark says to Jeremy that he's going to be going back around to Stephanie's house this evening to talk business. And Jeremy says, do business more like, <laughs> and he makes kind of like, a, he takes, does like the little hand penis, uh, vagina gesture. and fucking gesture thing. And um, Mark says that that's not necessary. And he tells Jeremy that if he needs him to distract Dobby, that he will text him the word Maximus.
1: says, in case he needs to spin Dobby a bigger lie. Um, so they, we then cut to the uh, the evening at Stephanie's house, and she's saying to Mark that she wishes Simpatico had existed 10 years ago, because then she might not have ended up with her husband. Um, and she, Mark is surprised to hear she's married, and then says, well, he disappeared on me without a word. One minute he was there, and then the next minute he picked up his jacket and he'd gone.
0: Um, I love this line. From Mark. So, uh, no, no, no. Her her when he says... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess I actually like both lines where Mark just says, thinks to himself, are you secretly weird? Have I walked into a bear trap? People just don't disappear. <laughs> and I love the foreshadowing in this line.
1: And she says that she thinks Jerry ended up with someone almost exactly half her age. Um, I guess you can't blame him. And Mark says, no, no, you're very attractive. He was a fool to leave. And she she sort of is pleased by this. And, and he thinks, am I expecting to have adult or have sex with Stephanie? I don't know. I did put my nice pants on, but I also wore those to the Jubilee pageant.
0: <laughs> and then we go back to Apollo house and we see Dobby and Mark, or excuse me, Dobby and Jeremy, and they're sitting on the couch smoking a joint together. Yes. Um, and davi asked jeremy if jeremy thinks that mark has been acting weird a little bit the last couple of days and jeremy says uh eh, maybe a bit and then he's thinking to himself what if he forgets a text what if they get down before he has a chance i'm just gonna tell davi now that i love her and that i that i properly love her and before he can really say anything his phone rings and jeremy just says hi andy
1: yes um question mark we then, <laughs> then move back to mark's evening where stephanie is filling the dishwasher um and she is rinsing the dishes and says do you rinse as well preloading and mark says yes because of, and because of the filter and she sort of like says it with him and they like, agree and she's like who wants to clog the filter lunatics um this is a constant row in our house because phil rinses and i uh, thought anyone that has heard anything about and Phil's relationship might surprising to know that Phil rinses and I do not and we have a constant argument about whether or not we are clogging the filter
0: yeah see Nicole and I do not have this issue at all we just uh, we just throw shit in the dishwasher I'm sure our clog our filter is probably clogged to hell um, yeah, this but was doesn't really matter we
1: had the same dishwasher for like 7 years and then it broke and it was out of warranty so we bought a new dishwasher and the guys that installed it were trying to tell me about this and sell me some product for my filter and I was like man like honestly it's like 200 quid every seven years which probably works out to like minus pennies per wash like i can live with that you don't i'm not gonna buy your product
0: i would buy it if somebody sold that to me right now because i think Mm -hmm. our filter is clogged to hell and back
1: no because you have to use it every time and it's like seven pounds a box and you have to and it only lasts for like a week i'm not spending that sort of like the money the money i'll save on that shit i'll buy any dishwasher
0: for some reason, I was thinking this was like liquid plumber where you just pour it in there. And <laughs> no,
1: just... no, this was like a like a product you have to use with every wash. It was a scam. Uh, it was definitely yeah, a scam. Fuck yeah, fuck that. Fuck <laughs>
0: that. Um, Mark wonders uh, at this point, like, what can he get away with before it's surefire infidelity? A kiss on the lips? Some people say hello like that. And I'll be honest, I think that he's cheating on Dobby just by being there.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Like, this is already... If you're not telling your partner about it, this is definitely already cheating. Um, we then move back to. Oh, sorry. Um, Stephanie then says that to Mark, could she open another bottle of wine? Because she'd like to get a bit more drunk. Um, and he thinks, oh, this is moving up a gear. Um, yeah, I'm going to text Jez the word Maximus. But as he goes to get his phone out of his pocket, the little note from Dobby from earlier in the day saying, because I heart you, uh, falls out of his pocket and flutters to the floor. And it's even still got a bit of horrible couscous stuck to it. And that is, um, that's the end of, of Mark's thoughts on infidelity. Really. He remembers Dobby.
0: Yeah. And, um, as so, so Stephanie is in this like, probably like front room and she's kind of shouting at Mark and Mark is just slowly walking down the front walkway. He grabs his jacket off of the banister, quietly opens the door and just, slides out of the house it's so goddamn funny because he's just done the same thing to her that her ex-husband did to her 10 years ago yeah
1: and like the way he picks up his jacket and she calls from the front room like shall i put some music on do you like van morrison and he's like yeah and she's like who doesn't like van morrison and he's just like and you just hear van morrison start to play as he closes the door
0: yeah, and as Mark is closing the door, Stephanie is shouting, shall we have a little dance? And <laughs> oh. Mark just thinks to himself, I am so sorry.
1: <laughs> um, Just previous to him opening the door, we saw that Mark had got a text that said urgent, it's all gone to shit from Jez. And we then cut to what Jez is doing, which is he's in a garage area with Andy, who is holding a pot of paint aloft and saying that he's going to fucking drink it.
0: I really just love this entire scene (laughs) where uh, he's threatening to drink the paint and Mark is thinking to himself, uh, you know, like, what the hell is going on? Jeremy says drinking paint is a bad idea. Mark wants to know.
1: That's his medical um, advice there.
0: Yeah. Mark wants to know how this is painting his kitchen. And Jeremy just says, you were right, Mark. I can't fix him. I'm not Freud. And Andy just says that he, I want you to punch me, Jez. I want you to punch me better.
1: <laughs> um, This is a testament to how funny Liam Noble is in this part, I think, because clearly, you know, it's funny writing and he, uh, the character of Big Mad Andy is funny anyway, but he really injects like almost a pathos, like Big Mad Andy so sad, but so funny at the same time.
0: Yeah. And, um, he says that he's if jeremy doesn't punch him he'll drink this paint because it's really cheap and nasty paint and mark (laughs) just thinks to himself i fucking knew it
1: (laughs) i have to say i don't even think like i don't even think the most expensive paint would be good for your insides if you drank it i'm just putting that out there
0: well at least paint doesn't have lead in it anymore
1: that's true but i still think you can pay 20 quid a can of farrow and ball and it's still gonna fuck you up if you drink it
0: yeah um Andy says, fine, if you won't punch me, just kick me in my ball bag. And uh, Jeremy just says, all right, fuck it. And then Jeremy just starts beating the shit out of Big Mad Andy. He's punching him, kicking him. Mark is just looking on in, in like agony. As he's doing it, Andy is just yelling, yes, more, more, yes. This is this working. Is working.
1: Um, and... I like as well, like the way Robert Wood plays this, where he sort of, he's like hesitant to do it. And then he sort of, even as he's kicking the living shit out of Big Bad Andy, he's still kind of being quite British and polite. And like, it's like, oh, sorry. And then he says to Mark, this is working. Um, and he's like, apologised apologize to me. And Mark says, this is not a triumph of your technique. You're just kicking a man in the bollocks.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. Um, it is, it is, is so funny where Jeremy's just like, so proud of himself. And Mark is just like, "Ugh." disgusted
1: did liam noble talk um i can't remember from the conversation but did he talk any more about what it was like to to work on peep show and film with these guys
0: yeah well i didn't ask him specifically what it was like to be on the show but he did um let's see he said that he had to um audition a few times it also sounds like that he was not really happy with his performance i don't know if that's just maybe like humble brag or something like that um because he just says is a brilliantly written show and the performances minus side are so great that they stand up to repeated viewings
1: oh i don't think i don't think that's fair as if he is saying it was because his performance is brilliant particularly like even more so in this episode than the first time i would say
0: yeah i i think he's great um (laughs) He um, apparently had been a fan of the show. He well, Not apparently, he was a fan of the show because that's what he said. Um, he said he was really excited for first audition as, as a fan of the show, though they weren't so excited. And he says he had two to three auditions before getting the offer. And well, then, they absolutely
1: um, picked the right man, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was just so nice. Like he was just like I said, he was just so generous. I mean, we talked to him for probably what, like probably half an hour, you mm. and me just firing off questions.
1: He um he works with a Red Bridge Youth Theatre now, doesn't he? And um he works saying about how important it is to get um sort of young working class people into into acting. Um, and it sounds like he's he's doing really well with that and I was looking at his Twitter and stuff and it seems like he's doing some really valuable sort of educational work so fair play to him
0: the thing that i just think is so funny that he was talking about to us too is how people still recognize him to this day
1: (laughs) yeah and he was saying like people that aren't weren't old and old enough to watch the show first time around like students he's very popular with now
0: which i think he's brilliant uh yeah he said that he was every time he goes to his local aldi's he gets spotted at least once and um, there was a guy's wife who came over to complain that she kept losing her husband as he was following Liam around
1: <laughs>
0: talking to him.
1: I was really pleased to hear as well that he says so he's from Walthamstow which is where my husband's from and not too far from here and I said didn't I that oh, you were asking where he's from because his accent sounds really like local to me so I was pleased to hear that he was he was local to me.
0: Yeah, and I just think it's incredible that, you know, despite the fact that he was only in three episodes, that he's really, like, I, I hope this doesn't sound corny or anything, but that he's, like, a real ambassador for the show. Yeah, you no, know, absolutely.
1: They, no, he's, uh, he's so kind about it. And, yeah, just seemed like a really nice guy. So, yeah, so fair play to him. And I hope that his work he's doing with Uthea carries on being a success.
0: Yeah, and if you haven't followed him on Twitter, his Twitter account is at BigMadAndy guys should give him a follow and yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. He's yeah. very like he seems very like chill and down to earth. Like very much Matt King in DMs is very much that same way too, where he's just very like chill and down to earth.
1: Yeah, and he's not mad at all, so <laughs> Yeah. Oh he's super <laughs> cool. Not mad at all. There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um so we're back at the house and uh with Mark Dobby and Jeremy and Dobby looks a little upset and she just says, oh, is he all right? And, um, Mark says that the mental health crisis team is helping him. Or excuse me. Jeremy says the mental health crisis team are helping him. I admit my therapeutic approach was unorthodox, but I think I might've just saved this guy's life.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Not, not to, not to be humble about it or anything. Yeah. Um, then, um, Dobby says she's sorry to Mark that he had to work so late and he says that actually he's got something to tell her. He hasn't been late, night stock taking. Um, and she says, what have you been doing? And he says, you know, actually, I've been doing an MBA and I thought and she immediately understands why he's not told her. And says, oh, so you thought if you told me, I'd know you weren't serious about going into railing. And. Um, so jeremy's then thinking come on mark tell her about the rest tell her you've got the horn for a hot milf tell her you want to stick it in uh, you're not letting me steal your girlfriend you total bastard um, but just as he's thinking that there is a knock on the door from someone from free cycle
0: yeah and uh she says that they're there for the cat and mark hands her mr eisenhower and i gotta tell you getting a siamese cat for free is a tremendous deal
1: yeah, absolutely. We paid, like, £50 for our moggies, so, each. So, yeah, she did good there. Um, the, Mark says, I'll do take him. He's very clean. Um, and she says, I think I've also got to take a yoga mat, a size 10 corset, and a VHS of the Barchester Chronicles. And Mark says, no, you're fine. Don't worry about it. And closes the door.
0: That definitely sounds like Super Handsy's <laughs> ideal woman.
1: <laughs> yeah, right there. Um, as he walks back in, Jeremy thinks, come on then, Mark, time to tell W about your trip to Cougar Town. And, um, and then Mark he says, Mark, is there anything else you need to tell
0: Dobby? And Mark says, Yes. And he says that tonight I realized that I properly love you, Dobby. And Jeremy just is like, Oh fuck, that's not your line, that's my line And Mark says, And I do wanna go in a railing with you. You're the you're my double black diamond extra bold fuck breakfast blend. <laughs> and Dobby says, that's great. Things are a bit hectic at work, so she might not be able to go for a bit, but terrific. And Mark says, and we've already worked out where the big pharmacy is in Antwerp, so we're golden. And then he just asks, T. And who says, I properly love you?
1: Mark says, I properly love you, Dobby. And then Jez also thinks, I properly love you, Dobby. And Mark turns to, to Jez and says, isn't she great? And Jez sort of like, nods and he says with any luck she's the last woman i'll be pulling my pants down and sticking it in and the final line is jeremy's thought as he thinks and for that image i have only myself to blame
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah a great episode really um i know a lot of people malign uh series eight but i think this is a really really good episode for series eight
1: do you want to guess where i put it
0: i'm just Actually pulling up the list now. You've tweeted out so many memes that it's... <laughs> it's there, so well-defined. Yeah. Uh... Hmm, let me think here. What was, um... Sorry, what was Business Secrets of the Pharaohs?
1: Oh, I can't remember. Uh, it was down... Hang on. Now I need to get to the thing because I wrote it on the. I've got a copy of it that I've got it written on. Uh, sorry, bear with me a second. I think it was it was in the 40s somewhere.
0: Yeah, that's fine. I'll, yeah. I'll just. Uh, I'm gonna say twenty three for this episode.
1: Bang
0: on. Yes, this is my twenty-third favorite episode of Peep
1: Show. Woo! Woo! Well done. It is easier now you've got the list.
0: Yeah, it is a bit easier now that I've got the list. And especially <laughs> since we're film you know, filling in the last there's the final only ones, yeah. Yeah, there's only nine more blanks left. Yeah, yeah. Sad. Sad. Um Well, since this episode has run a little long, um, I don't really... We can talk about, like, podcasts and other TV shows next week. Is that okay? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's fine. Yeah.
0: Okay. I think we've got some other stuff to discuss. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, we will be back next week with episode 56, which is... Chairman honor- Mark. What's that?
1: Is it called Chairman Mark?
0: Oh, no, it is... Oh, which is the one that we're fucking doing. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah it is i'm sure i, was, I thought that because i was watching this one earlier saying it ran on on netflix to the next one which i'm sure is chairman mark
0: yeah so we will be back next week with episode 56 of the Eldu brothers podcast chairman mark uh an episode that i think is uh pretty funny mm. has yeah. some good bits in it
1: yeah
0: absolutely all right um so laura and i are going to discuss some other stuff um, please stay tuned after the music if you want to hear it. If not, <laughs> I totally understand. And, yeah, we will see you next week. This is the L Dude Brothers podcast signing off. Uh, 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 bye. Goodbye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I am the home-trained dentist. All right, so this is your last opportunity to turn this podcast off. We don't want angry tweets.
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah, so you wanted to, well, we both wanted to chat a little bit about the Trump protest in London yesterday and various Trump stuff.
0: So,
1: where should we begin?
0: Well, I think that. First, I should probably explain, because I had one of our listeners kind of tweet me about this and ask um, on our Twitter account about how we went from Barack Obama to Trump. And so just for the people who, and and I won't, I promise I won't ramble about this too much, Um, for the people who don't know how the American electoral system works is basically each state is allotted a number of points based on population. Um, they're called electoral votes Uh, currently right now you need 200 and approximately 270 electoral votes to win um if you get 265 both people get 265 you can tie and then that's a whole other pile of shit but um at this point if you get 270 points to win so What happens is like, so the state I live in, Kansas, I think we have five or six electoral votes. I don't really remember Kansas electoral vote. We have, okay, yeah, so we have six. So what happens is each state you vote, you vote in a state. So like I vote in Kansas. Kansas is like probably about as dark red and as far right as you could possibly get. (laughs) And so, really, what ends up happening is that my vote is of little consequence because there are so many other Republicans in Kansas that, like, my vote gets kind of axed out. Um, so, that's
1: quite similar for British citizens. That's quite similar to it's not, I mean, out we've got a similarly archaic um, electoral system. So, we've got first past the post, but very similar in that it's not proportional based on the amount of votes that that each party gets so same thing that we have different constituencies and i live in a very conservative constituency so even if i vote labor my vote means nothing it gets it it essentially counts for nothing because there are so many other people voting tory in that borough so it's a similar situation is that the vote the vote gets absorbed if you're not voting for the bigger party
0: yeah um which is uh, which has led to kind of uh there's a collection of states that are called swing states or purple states because they're not you know like california is pretty much gonna vote democrat oklahoma kansas a lot of the midwest are pretty much just going to consistently vote republican and so what happens is that the president's excuse me, presidential candidates as a whole really only focus on about 10 or 11 out of the 50 states, and unfortunately what happened this most recent presidential election is that we have a group of states that are called the Rust Belt, and it's um, uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Ohio, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And those four states were kind of major manufacturing areas for America. And as time has gone on, a lot of those jobs have been outsourced or they've been replaced by, people have been replaced by automated processes. You know, um, a lot of the car manufacturers moved their production out of Michigan just because it was cheaper to go to a foreign country and produce cars there. And so what's happened is there is a lot of disenfranchised people who live in those states and Typically they're union members. Union members, for the most part, are blue collar, typically vote Democrat. Um, Trump really went to a bunch of those Rusk belt states and was like, Look, I am gonna put America first, I'm gonna bring all these jobs back. Spoiler alert, he didn't because the jobs don't exist anymore. Um, and he's you know, basically appealed to this like blue collar uh, working Democrats that you know were like, oh hey, this guy gets us. You know we're becoming increasingly obsolete in a world of you know fucking automation. And I think your um,
1: blue collar workers—that's an expression that meant nothing to me until the until I started to take an interest in American politics. You know later in my teenage years, but I think your blue collar workers are roughly equivalent to what we would call our white working class. So our kind of disenfranchised. living in traditional traditionally mining towns in this country Mm -hmm. and manufacturing industries um and i feel like they've been pushed out first of all by like you say automation of various industries but then also by immigrants that have come in and taken the jobs that basically they didn't want to do anyway but that are willing to work for less money
0: yeah and that is also another uh, that and that's also another issue too is that you know the demographic in america is changing where you know european uh that basically like white people of european descent who live in america are increasingly becoming the minority here and for a lot of people that is a fucking scary prospect and so when you have somebody who's like well, I want strict border control, you know, we're going to get rid of the immigrant, you know, we're going to get rid of the immigrants, we're going to kick the Mexicans out. But, you know, people from Norway, they're perfectly okay. We want people from smart countries like Norway and not shithole countries like Africa. And, you know, a lot of that is coded language that white nationalists use. And that coded language really appealed to a lot of white nationalists, who had been kind of pushed into the shadow by Barack Obama. Um, and, you know, there's also, I was also talking to Lardy about this as well, where um, I'm a very politically correct person. I think that, Laura, I think that you probably are fairly politically correct too. Yeah. But the problem is, is that some people look at people who are politically correct and are like, oh, they're fucking thought police or, you know, like, oh, why can't I call somebody uh, you know, stupid racial slur? And, you know, it's like, man, and, you know, some people just don't like when you tell them, like, hey, you shouldn't use racial slurs because that's not cool. You shouldn't call somebody retarded. You know, you shouldn't, you know, say stuff like that because it's disrespectful to people who, you know, to children with mental disabilities, like, that Liam Noble works with. And so you had... Kind of a lot of stuff in America happened all at once that led to Trump being elected.
1: Thank you for that point of history because I sort of feel like I'm, it's been surmised easily for me to understand there as well because it does seem on the surface, uh, you know, even for us going through Brexit and you know, all the all right stuff we've got here, it just seems so crazy that in the space of eight years you can go from all that hope to this absolute shitstorm that seems to be your country at the moment.
0: It's it, like, it really is depressing. Uh, I mean, I really, um, I really can't think of any other fucking way to describe it. It's just every morning you wake up and it's a new scandal. Like, I mean, I don't, I wanted to talk about the protest, and I definitely want to talk about that because I think that that was, really cool thing that you guys did but like every morning when you wake up here there's just something new on the news like wednesday night you woke up and trump insulted our nato allies on thursday he told teresa may she was stupid for doing soft brexit and then on like friday he apologized sort of to her and then yeah i mean it's it's i just don't fucking get it
1: do you feel like I mean, like, this is a big question. I know you can't possibly speak for all Americans, but do you feel that people now are starting to... Because definitely with Brexit, there are a a large amount of people, I think, who voted for Brexit and regret it, or or are starting to regret it. Do you think that there are people there that voted for Trump and now all this is happening are, you know, upset or, or... maybe regret voting for him or do you feel that for the most part that they're sort of
0: diehard Trump supporters? Um, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, like I said, I, I can't possibly speak for everybody. I would imagine that there are quite... Well, I actually... You know what? I will say this, that yes, I think that there are a good, sizable portion of people who regret voting for Trump because almost... So when a president appoints his candidate, he oftentimes will take members of Congress and appoint them to positions um, within the cabinet. And typically what will happen is states will have special elections to replace those people. And almost unanimously, Democrats have won almost all of these special elections in districts like Alabama that Trump carried by you know, high double digits over Hillary Clinton, they elected a Democratic senator. Now, granted, their Republican candidate was a frickin' pedophile, um, and that came out after he won the nominee. So, I mean, I think had Roy Moore not been a fucking pedophile, um, that Roy Moore still probably would have beat Doug Jones. But, I mean, the fact that we won, we took a safe seat that has been Democratic since, or since, has been Republican, excuse me, since like nineteen the 1960s, and we flipped it over to Democrat was amazing. Um, Democrats in general have been very, because that was like the other thing too about our 2016 election is a third of the country didn't vote.
1: Well, I mean, that's very similar to here. We don't have great turnout for our general elections. And actually, Brexit was one of our higher or or it was a very high turnout for brexit and that was still only 70 percent of the population so of course this is a real problem that you've got with people not voting and maybe does kind of make an argument for enforced voting which i know countries like australia i believe australia have and i do think there is an argument for that so in
0: 2013 um, well, back in the the fifties and the sixties, there was passed over here what was called the Voting Rights Act of nineteen sixty five. Okay, so it was passed in sixty five, not the fifties or sixties. Um, but one of the one of the mandates of the Voting Rights Act was that any any state, basically all the southern states that had a long history of discrimination, had to submit any changes to their voting laws or practices to the government for the government to review before they could change it right and this was basically to prevent you know some states from passing like very discriminatory legislation so then what happened was in 2013 the supreme court basically said well it's it's unconstitutional that these states have to submit their laws to the government for preclearance <gasps> And they struck down that aspect of the Voting Rights Act. Well, after that happened, all these states just started passing um, voter ID laws.
1: You take this? Hang on. I'm just finishing this up, darling. Go and just have a drink, and I'll come down in a sec, yeah? I'll take off my shoes. That's fine. You can take his skirt off. <laughs> <laughs> Good girl. All right, I'll be down in a minute. Sorry, camera
0: Yeah. So anyway, so a lot of a lot of these southern states um, ended up passing like really strict voter ID laws. Voter ID laws in our country tend to overwhelmingly disenfranchise Democratic voters um, because because we don't.
1: Obviously, because it's hard. Like they're less likely to have identification. They're less likely to have the things you need, of course.
0: Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where on the surface, voter ID laws sound perfectly fine. But then, when you start to kind of dig down into the roots of things, you see how just fucked they are. Yeah, that makes sense. That's enough of my bitching and moaning. But so, how tell me about the protest?
1: Yeah, so I obviously you have to have been living on the moon to have not heard about this protest, but it was, um, it was scheduled for so Trump, obviously, again, as I'm sure you know, has come to the UK. He's not been given a state visit, that's the official line, it's not a state visit. Um, Barack Obama had a state visit back in I think 2015, 2016, Um, and it was all very lovely. He went and he he met the princes and then he came and met Prince George before he was getting ready for bed and there was that famous photograph of him with Prince George in his pyjamas and we were told that this was not the visit that Trump was going to have, you know, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to get to mingle with the royal family and, you know, Mate with them, and it you know definitely wasn't a state visit. But then, as more information became available about this, it became increasingly clear that it was a state visit by any other name like that he was going to have tea with the Queen. Um, and it might be the lowest thing you can do with the Queen because you know there was no state banquet and there was no official sort of dinner for him with the royal family. But this was still a big deal, this was he was still having tea with the Queen, he was still going to meet with our Prime Minister. And there was still gonna be a lot of pomp and circumstance um around him. And actually that made a lot of the um a lot of people really angry because for all our differences here in this country at the moment, I think that it's very few people that support Trump and what he's doing, you know, sort of politically. It doesn't really matter if you're on the right or the left, because you know, we're fairly even our right and our left, for the most part, are fairly moderate in this country. Most people have come together to say, this isn't on. Like We don't want our taxpayers' money paying for this state visit. So um, an a official protest was organised um, and there was a women's march and then there was an official protest that was organised um, and loads of people then started to get involved. So the reason that I ended up going was because my teaching union had officially got behind it and they'd said that they... We had their official backing, um, so a group of us from my school went and we made placards and we went to the march. The march started at Portland Place, where the BBC is based, at two o'clock. We were still at Sports Day then, but we joined the march on Regent Street at about half past four, and we marched down to Trafalgar Square, where we saw Jeremy Corbyn give a speech, and then a series of different speakers came on, and uh, including David Lamme, who's an MP, who um, spoke about... The reasons that we were there, there yesterday, and the reasons, quite succinctly, were that by our government giving this man a state visit, we are legitimising what he's doing, and the things yep. that he are doing are wrong. Uh, and my yep. placa- my placard that I made said, uh, "Orange fascists do not deserve red carpets," and that I think sums it up, which is that we should not be spending our money and we should not be rolling out the red carpet to this man because he everything he stands for is abominable and it's not even that he just stands for some terrible things he's doing terrible things and he we are let's face it our government is doing that because we're scared and we want a trade deal with america because we're terrified about uh, our government because it's being our prime minister is led by a remainer who doesn't know how to handle this brexit idea which i for the record am completely against brexit but if we're going to do it it should be being run by someone who believes in it and she is running scared and wants Trump to help her with a trade deal. And anyway, he's now turned around and said Brexit in its current form will mean no trade deal from the US. So millions and millions and millions of pounds have been spent on this visit. And yet the right are getting on their high horses and saying, oh, how much does this cost the UK in um, in police costing? The Metropolitan Police were out in force in London yesterday because there were a quarter of a million people on the streets of London and this has cost millions in in policing. Well, it's cost millions and millions in security for this man. We're still paying for security for him to have now a private visit at his own resort in Scotland. He's still having police protection because people hate him that much. Him and his son are now under guard from our police and we're still paying for it. And actually that's despicable and what I just do not I do understand why our government's done it because like I say it's for corrupt and selfish reasons but actually I don't want my taxpayers money being spent on this when our hospitals are falling apart there isn't enough funding for the NHS I work in a school where our budget for my department's been cut in half so we have now got we're going from an eight form entry to a ten form entry so we've now got a third as many children again or a quarter as many children again but our budget has been cut in half but yet you can find these millions of pounds to support the visit of this absolute cretin this abominable cretin sorry i've gone off on a rant there but no no, you're fine you're
0: fine and i just want to say if you disagree with what laura and i are saying I i am perfectly okay with that i mean. We, you know, if you want to explain to us why some of these ideas are good or why some of them seem positive, like I'll come at it with an open mind. But it just is, I mean, just the stuff that has happened in America is just depressing. Like,
1: yeah, like I it, say, we so are we're at the point here where, like I say, okay we're British, it's a moderate country for the most part, like our politics for the most part does not string, does not swing in extremes, but it was not as Fox, I believe were saying it was a few like, it was a few um, extreme, like extreme left out on the streets yesterday. That was not the case. There were people there of every color of every creed of every social class. I saw, I saw what were clearly older Sort of conservative voters, and 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 this was not about our politics. This was about us all being united in the face of the fact that what Trump is doing is is fascism, and to call him a fascist does not lessen that word. You know, that's the and like you say, I would be completely prepared to enter into some friendly debate with people that can tell me why he isn't, but I can't see any evidence that. Contradicts my uh, the opinion I formed of him.
0: No, I mean the. I I'll be honest. When it became crystal clear to me, uh, you know when he did his original speech where he when he announced his presidency and he talked about how Mexico wasn't sending their finest people, they were sending their criminals and their rapists. When you know when he did that speech, I was like, wow, that's like some real like hardcore coded racism. You know that man, that's crazy. But when it really became, like, so, uh, do you know what dog whistle racism is?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Okay, so for people who don't know what dog whistle racism is, it's basically, like, coded racism, where you might refer to a group of people, instead of using, like, a racial slur to refer to a group of people, you might say, like, pest, you know, they're a pest. You know you're basically dehuman. You're, you're subtly dehumanizing people, um, and that was a lot of his racism, especially early on, was all dog whistle. Well, when we had our Unite to Right rally, are you familiar with what that is? and uh, no. Okay, so the Unite to Right rally was a rally that was put on in a city in Virginia last year. It was the. The official reasoning for it was that a lot of states are starting to get rid of statues that are honor that honor the Confederacy, right, of the United States. So a lot of cities and states are starting to get rid of these Confederate monuments because really, the Confederacy was all about racism and slavery, and so you're glorifying these people who you know were like, oh, we should treat people as property, and so in Charlottesville, Virginia, there was a statue of oh god like Robert E Lee, I can't remember, a Confederate general that was going to get removed. And all these white nationalist groups showed up to protest the removal of these statues right, and they... okay.
1: I I we've heard, so I know about Charlottesville, but I didn't know that's what they were that's what the what, what started it. I don't, didn't know oh, that's okay. why they were yeah. assembled, yet. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, ostensibly that was why they said they were there. Really they were just there to, you know, be racist and say racist stuff and what ended up happening was there was um a lot of clashes between these right-wing groups and Antifa and it ended with a white a white nationalist kill, like basically driving his car straight into a group of protesters injured like 13 and killed one and after this protest was over like trump couldn't even say hey like nazis and the kkk are bad and they shouldn't do that stuff didn't he
1: say something like that there were some fine people on both sides or some something equally ridiculous
0: uh yeah he said that there was um that both sides were to blame for the clashes. And it's like, no. Both sides are not to blame for the clashes. Like, it is... Uh, I don't... Laura, I'm sure that our British uh, listeners know you guys took a lot of shit in World War II. And I don't want to say that America, like, won the war, but, like, our country united to punch fucking Nazis in the face. Mm. And it would disgust disgust the people that died in World War Two to see fucking Nazis marching in the streets of the United States and not getting fucking punched in the face. Well this is the one so. thing
1: that I've said throughout this whole shitstorm as it continues is so my grandfather he was born in nineteen thirty, so he was a child when the World War Two broke out. He had a much older brother who fought in World War Two. His father had fought in World War One and my granddad was that the World War II really shaped who he was as a person and he was in the anti-Nazi league and he was really proud of how far we'd come and how far the world had come and I remember 10 years ago sitting with him and over a bottle of wine and I'd just been to Auschwitz and I'd been, I was 22, I'd been on a school trip, we'd gone to Auschwitz and I was I knew about Auschwitz obviously, but nothing could prepare me for actually seeing Auschwitz in the flesh. And my granddad cried because he said he couldn't he could couldn't bear. He was in his late 70s then, and he said he couldn't wouldn't be able to bear to go there because he had lived through the war and he'd seen all the footage and he'd he'd like lived it and he'd lived the terror of the war. And he was so proud of me for being able to go there and to be able to tell him about it. But thank God the world had changed so much now and thank god that will never happen again and he died in 2011 and the only thing i miss my granddad every day but i'm so glad that he's not alive to see this because he would be he would be devastated to see what we've come to again like how is this happening again how how is this being allowed to happen again when history books it's not even history books like that was that was my granddad talking about that and i'm only in my 30s you know there are plenty of people there's plenty of. There's plenty of, of, of first-hand accounts of this stuff. What the fuck is going on? That this is happening again? And like I say, I miss my granddad, but I'm glad that he's not witnessing this because he would. it would make him weep. I know it would.
0: Well, one of the... And I know that you need to get going, so I'll... I'll oh, that's okay. Make... No, no, don't
1: worry. It's fine. They're, they're watching Peppa Pig happily.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> one thing that has made me super happy is recently people have... And look... I'm not advocating violence against elected officials. Like I am not advocating violence. Violence doesn't solve anything. But one of the things that has just been made me so happy is that for about a year, Democrats have said, you know, look, let's let the Republicans be assholes. Like, let's let them talk shit. We're going to stay above it. And I think that's a noble endeavor but the thing is is it wasn't working Mm. and so what has started happening is that the officials in the trump administration like sarah huckabee sanders who's the press secretary she was at a restaurant in virginia and the manager of the restaurant basically told her to get the fuck out because he wasn't going to serve her um the former epa chief scott pruitt was at dinner in washington and a woman came up to him and basically said you're a disgrace you need to resign he left um a bunch of these white racists that were in the charlottesville march have all been identified and have all been you know fired from their job or prosecuted um for violence that you know violent acts that they committed and i think it is perfectly okay to publicly shame racists and one thing that is important is You, if somebody in your life is advocating these kinds of ideas and they don't listen to you, you don't need to agree to disagree with them. You just need to fucking cut them out of your life.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I think it's, and this is, and I think that this is a symptom of you saying about being a politically correct person. And I think that my, my intrinsic uh, reaction is always to think, especially being like liberal and having been brought up that way, is to go, oh, everyone's entitled to their opinion. And I know you tweeted something earlier that summed up exactly why not everyone should be entitled to their opinion. And actually, no, you don't have to say, oh, you know what? Like, eggs is eggs. We all think different things. Sometimes people think wrong things and then being allowed to continue to, to, to say those wrong things influences other people to think those wrong things. And that's how that's how that happens that's how Hitler happened
0: yeah yep yeah i mean you can't you can't agree to disagree with an ideology that advocates for killing jews
1: no exactly that and it's and you know and it's the the thing that you tweeted out i think that said this exactly this which was that actually by allowing too much free speech in the end you get no free speech that's what happened with Hitler. That's how the Nazis happened. And so, it is. Yeah, it's your duty as a right-thinking person to actually not agree to differ, but in fact to say you are wrong, and I'm calling you out and being wrong. And I don't care if that makes us not friends now. And you know, and it's and um, we've all been there with people where you've had to you've had to do that. And it's taken me this long to to realise that because even you know 10 years ago when this sort of stuff was starting to creep in i remember when boris johnson was elected the mayor of london and he's god knows i mean he's a minnow compared to trump but he said some pretty objectionable things and i i remember calling out people on how could you vote for this man like he's he's so objectionable and like all these objectionable vaguely racist things he'd said and it's like oh but you know and they'd have an argument as to why they love boris and i didn't want to lose friends or i didn't want to appear rude so i would go down the i agree to differ road but actually it's way too serious for that now we can't be be doing that i agree to differ thing anymore because things shit's got real
0: yeah um i mean it's you know it's one of those things where you know you can't you can't agree to disagree with nazis like my friend, I have a friend, very dear friend, who is a Republican. He is a Republican because he likes guns and he hates taxes. and those are those are like really his two issues is guns and taxes. and he regrettably voted for trump and but the thing is is that he didn't he didn't vote for Trump because Trump was a racist. You know, he voted for Trump because he was like, okay, hey, I like some of the stuff he's saying. I don't like everything that he's saying, but if we elect a Democrat, there's a real chance that my guns could be a threat or that my taxes will go up. And so he's like, okay, I'm just going to vote for Trump. And the, those people exist. And I totally, it is totally okay to be conservative. Well, what is not okay is to be racist. And, you know, he doesn't have a racist bone in his body. Um, he's, you know, one of my best friends at work, we talk all the time, not about politics, but, um, you know, but, like I said, I think it's okay for people to be conservative, just not racist.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, and it's not conservatism as as an actual political standpoint that I'm against, but I am seriously concerned with these racists and, frankly, fascists, Jumping aboard the conservative bus and trying then to make trying to make it that it's just us guys have got a problem with conservatism. I definitely don't like at all. conservative you know, that's it. it's what makes the world go round. There, there's a left and there's a right and there's a middle, and I understand that that's how the political system works. But these people are hijacking the right for something else entirely, and it's pretty ugly
0: yeah no, I agree with you 100 percent. It's uh, you know, there was a point in time and well and you know one of the other big issues in America too, and I'm sure it's probably the same in the UK to an extent um, is that there is a lot of polarization in American politics and what used to be people in the middle that would, you know, you know, like our libertari I don't even really want to say libertarian, but our libertarian party is a socially liberal, fiscally conservative party, which I'll be honest, they're just republicans with an that want to legalize weed. Um <laughs> and abolish like every aspect of the government. It's really fucked. But um but you know, we used to have like, a functioning Congress where, you know, people would say, well, hey, like, maybe instead of going all the way to the right, let's, like, bring it over a little bit to the left, and we like that, you like that, let's pass this, get it to the president, and sign it. But all of a sudden, in 2000, excuse me, 2008, it all of a sudden became, you know, mitch mcconnell who's the republican speaker of the house was quoted at i think it was like obama's first fucking uh, the day he was inaugurated in office mitch mcconnell was quoted as saying my goal is to make barack obama a one-term president and then it was pretty much at this point that this like historic obstructionism started and it has just polarized both sides to this degree where nothing happens like everything is fucked it's just so dysfunctional it just fucking depresses me in general how fucked our government is like a guy who a a guy was just confirmed in the senate who his job is to basically decide for the department of justice whether they are going to prosecute cases or not this guy has ties to russia this guy has ties to Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. This guy has ties to a bank that there was a computer in the Trump Tower that was secretly communicating with a computer in this bank. And he was confirmed down party lines. It, mm. It's it's disgusting that, like, not one Republican is like, hey, maybe we shouldn't confirm this guy, you mm. know?
1: Yeah. No, I... Anyways i i am with you and we can only watch and hope that things improve and you know use our democratic right to protest which is feels a bit like all we've got left at the moment
0: yeah yeah you're fucking right it does Mm. yeah so anyways on that very happy and upbeat and (laughs) not depressing thank you for a very
1: interesting conversation anyway
0: Yeah. um, Again, if you've made it this far, we appreciate you listening. The Eldu Brothers podcast proper is never going to be political. Um, We may make slight jokes about Mark's political leanings or stuff like that, but, you know, our podcast is not designed to be, you know, we don't want to alienate any potential listener. So... Hey, maybe that should
1: be, that should be like our tagline is it's fine to be conservative, but just be conservative like Mark and don't be conservative like Trump.
0: Conservative with a little c. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mark's brand of conservative, which is more to do with, you know, not particularly wanting to legalize cannabis and liking Tony Blair's politics. There you go.
0: What, um... Sorry, there was one. Actually, there is kind of, and I know I've talked a lot and I apologize for that. But I guess I actually would like to know, uh, well, I do know, but what are kind of your thoughts on Brexit? Like, if it's going to happen, do you prefer soft Brexit, hard Brexit? Like, what's, and what's kind of the differences between the two? Because I'll be honest, I really just don't know what the difference is between the two.
1: So soft Brexit just means basically that we still maintain some of the like trade relations and stuff that we have with the eu without being in the eu it, it essentially means we still can like take part in the game but we no longer have us a... a little bit like england today we can still take part in the game but we no longer have a stake in the competition if that makes sense um mm-hmm. whereas a hard brexit is just that we like said our borders like fuck this shit out of there no more no more immigration at all whereas the borders are completely closed whereas the soft brexit is talking about like a different kind of way of dealing with immigration from the from europe and also um it means that like a trade relation like fuck them we'll trade with someone else um so i would prefer a soft brexit probably if we've got to have a brexit like i don't want one i'd voted against one but if we've got to have one i prefer a soft one because Obviously, that's going to mean better trade deals. It's going to mean probably the ease of movement. Um, I don't, especially, like, my time in life, I don't think there's going to come a time where I want to study or live in Europe, but I would like to think that if my daughters wanted to, they could, and it wouldn't be too difficult. And also, we're really small, and we don't have an empire anymore, and we're pretty insignificant in the world stage. And I think, as a small country we we do pack a punch larger than our size like relatively in terms of our size and in terms of our um our gdp and stuff like we we do really well but we do really well for a small country we're not a world power and i think we need the backup of other countries and, and it makes sense to have a european union um and it makes sense for us to all be together in certain things and i so I would prefer a soft Brexit if I've got to have a Brexit at all. Sorry, what was your second question?
0: Uh, I, I think uh, I've you, covered, I, it. Have I covered it. Yeah, 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 yeah you yeah. covered yeah. everything.
1: Um, But, you know, at the moment we're in a position, a very bizarre position, where we're having Brexit, whether we want it or not, we're having Brexit and it's being run by a woman who didn't want Brexit. So she's going to go, for, like, I don't know that she's best placed to give us a Brexit. I don't know. Maybe someone who's more invested in this bullshit would be better at negotiating. I All I, I don't know, but all I know at the moment is the negotiations aren't getting very far. And I think we could be in a position where we end up with no deal at all. And maybe this is all leftist propaganda. Maybe it's not, but, but the government are... This is fact. The government are now stockpiling non-perishable foods in case we have trade problems immediately after we withdraw from the european union next march and that scares the shit out of me because are we going to be in a position where really literally no one will trade with us
0: yeah and you know it's one of those things where um you know like even america i mean I didn't think to an extent America cannot isolate itself, Mm. you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, at least you've got, there's a lot more of you and you've got a few more resources. I mean, we are fucked. If we're on our own, I do not know (laughs) what we're going to do. Like, We produce about three things. And one of those things is like Argyle wool sweaters. Like we've got a problem if we're on our own. But I think, I, I think I said this to you the other day. I think what we'll end up with is, probably something in the middle brexit a medium boiled brexit and in 10 15 20 years time this will all be forgotten and we'll enter the european union again and it will have all been for naught so i might be wrong but i think this will eventually history will show that this was a monumental fuck up but uh we'll see we'll see what happens
0: do you think there's any chance that somebody could just be like hey let's maybe do that brexit vote again
1: i don't think we'll have another brexit vote but i do think that possibly what might happen and what i really hope happens is that the so that the opposition party and perhaps not in its current state under jeremy corbyn because i think he doesn't particularly want to stop brexit for his own reasons which is a whole other it's a whole other podcast um but i what i what What I could see happening would be that the opposition says okay so what we'll do you is we'll do you a um, a referendum on the final deal and then the Tory party collapses, Theresa May collapses, a general election is called and people will vote in a government that will give us a referendum on the final deal but for that to happen. Theresa May really has got to have a very low confidence, which doesn't look like that's happening. Unbelievably, it doesn't look like that's happening. Um, for various reasons. I think the Tory, it suits the Tory party to have her where she is at the moment. And uh, but I do think we might have a general election by next year. It might be too late by then. And but I could see Labour potentially maybe offering us some sort of referendum on what what finally happens with Brexit. But as for Brexit being redone. I think that ship has sailed. I think we've got it whether we want it or not. And I think now most people probably don't want it, but what can you do?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing how kind of our two countries are going through the same thing at almost you know the exact same time. Except you guys can at least put a vote of no confidence in on your government. Ours is just we're here for 6 years. Yeah, two well, years, we or four we years. we
1: can't But our MPs can, our MPs on her in her party can, and I hope that that is what. But then maybe it's better the devil you know, because then maybe it's Boris or Gove for prime minister, and I don't know what we need as a general election. Whether we'll get one anytime soon, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Laura, for this. cathartic and good conversation <laughs> no so. thank
1: you thank you very much it was good to talk yeah. about it um yeah so yeah well.
0: we will be back next week and you know if maybe if it becomes like a segment that we have to do this may just become like a recurring segment <laughs> Increasingly
1: the increasingly bizarre things going on in America and the UK as discussed by <laughs> Sean and
0: Laura. No. Two 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 peep show podcasters discuss current geopolitical events. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah who That's wouldn't? a catchy title. That's it, what we should call yeah, it.
1: Yeah, that is what we should call it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have okay. a good one, Laura. And I'll talk you. to you later. See
1: you
0: later. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. bye.